Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. This is an RNZ podcast. Hello, I'm Simon Morris. This year, the world cinema started to settle down after the disruptions of last year. The major international film festivals were mostly restored, more or less, and some big filmmakers missing in action in 2020, the year of the virtual festivals, returned to the world stages in Berlin, Cannes, Sundance and Venice. And here, of course, the New Zealand International Film Festival is back a little later than usual due to the delays of the big festivals overseas. But there are riches galore, prize winners, big names, a rather quirky retro section and the usual incredibly strange collection. I'm joined virtually, of course, by the director of the 2021 Film Festival, Martin Robarts. Hi, Martin. And I have to say, this is looking a bit more like a real festival maybe than last year. <laughs> Hi, Simon. Nice nice to be with you again. Yeah, I mean, this was the year we're going to take this, you know, festival back into the cinemas where our audiences prefer it. They love it there. Mm. That was, like, very clear through the, the 2020 edition, which had to be in a hybrid form. I think last year people understood, but, it, you know, everybody agreed that it was a little underpowered. But let's have a look at this year. And I noticed there's a lot of big prize winners this year. Absolutely. By delaying the festival, as you mentioned earlier, we knew that we'd have the great good fortune of being able to draw down films from the, the 2021 Cannes Film Festival and also Venice Film Festival. You know, usually we get Cannes films, but that was also delayed till July, so mm. we couldn't have got them had we stayed in our original day. I mean, it's, it's like a jigsaw puzzle. You're sort sure. of moving pieces around. So, yeah, prize winners, prize winners, prize winners. Well, the big prize winner, as far as New Zealand is concerned, was one of the big winners at Venice, which is Jane Campion. And you're including that, aren't you, in the in the festival? More than including it. Jane's film, The Power of the Dog, which is her, you know, her return to cinematic storytelling uh, since um, Bright Star, the first film since Bright Star. Um, that will be our opening film in the four big cities, yeah. <laughs> He's just a man. Only another man. Also, this year's most controversial prize winner from Cannes, it came Titan. This is the one where someone gets pregnant to a car, isn't it? Did, don't you remember Demon Seed from nineteen seventy? You know, it's it's not the first time there's been an impregnation <laughs> from a machine, but um, we placed Titan, which is an extraordinary work, um, as our closing film. Not because we don't want to be there the next morning when people are going, why the hell did you play that? But it certainly means we were going out with a bang. It wasn't so much the fact that it got made. It was the fact that it did so well at Cannes that was the big surprise. I mean, you know, it's all jokes aside, it's an original work from an original voice of a filmmaker. And, you know, that's what Cannes celebrates and that's what we celebrate. You have plenty of other prize winners. From Berlin, you've got this year's oddest title, Bad Luck Banging or Loony Porn from Romania. (laughs) When you see the film, the title's going to make a lot more sense. That's a really fascinating film. It was made by Radu Jude, who is, I guess, the leading um, Romanian filmmaker. 
he makes a different film every time. Like this, this film is nothing like his his last one, and and similarly to the past. So you never know what Rada was going to put on the table in front of you. So it was shot during the Romanian outbreak of 2020. Um, it's clearly showing a society that is stressed by COVID, but I think it's almost you see a society where that's almost the last straw that's breaking a certain camel's back. And um, it's, a, it's a fascinating work. And there is some loony porn in it. It, it <laughs> opens with the self-made porn film, which is the thing that triggers the drama in the film. I mean, this year, as last year, the elephant in the room obviously is COVID. Does COVID feature a lot in the films that you've, uh, you've included this year, Martin? That's a good question. It rears its interesting head in interesting ways. Other films dealing with pandemic and plague or, or, or what it is to be confined, not so many that actually go, hey, this is a COVID situation, but a lot of very close echoes and analogies are being made to what we've all been living through around the world, yeah. Are there other uh, notable prize winners among the uh, the films that you've selected this year? Absolutely. Um Venice had an extraordinary output for us with Jane's film, of course, which we're opening with, but also we we managed to secure another beautiful film, which is the new film by Paolo Sorrentino, The Hand of God, which at first glance you think it might be a biopic of Maradona, but in fact it's not. He's a peripheral character in the life of um, Sorrentino himself. It's a largely autobiographical story of his youth in, in Naples in uh, the 1980s, and it's a masterpiece. I personally, I think it's his best film so far. Um, it's the most personal work, um, deeply moving. He reveals himself very much in the film, and you, you go with him. You end up being very deeply affected by the things that, that he went through as, as a teenager. We also have uh, Memoria from A Picha Pong, Where is Setukal, which was in Khan, another prize winner. This is the um, one that features you, Tilda Swinton, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Tilda Swinton on a, a lyrical, almost fever dream of a journey through Colombia. So it's his first film shot in English. It's beyond his native Thai language. So what's not to love about that? No, so it's a beautiful, extraordinary work. I mean, mm. followers of a Picha Pong will find this is just among his finest films. One thing I'm um, noticing this year, I think, is more big names than last year. I think last year, a lot <laughs> of the big names were keeping their powder dry, hoping it would all blow over. It clearly didn't, but I see you've mentioned uh, Paolo Sorrentino, but you also, there's also from France, Francois Ozon. There's from Germany, Christian Petzold, who I'm a big yeah. fan of him. Asghar Farhadi right. from, uh, from Iran. And also a film directed by Maggie Gyllenhaal, the actress. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All of those those names you just mentioned, we're really thrilled to have them. Um, and again, it's because we've, we've had the great good fortune of being with delayed dates. It's a silver lining to the cloud of that as we've been able to access films. As the big festivals came back online, as you said, there were filmmakers and producers who were holding their films back. They didn't necessarily want it to go into a an online version of Toronto Film Festival. Mm. So as the festivals opened up... So that broke a kind of logjam of the big names who had held themselves back, as you mentioned. Yeah, it's just, it's it's actually a very starry lineup, well spotted. Yeah, I'm thrilled about it. Absolutely. I mean, led by Wes Anderson, of course, who everyone, he's always a big star of uh, a film festival here anyway. Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, 
and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. For decent people. It's supposed to be charming. Yeah, no, we're delighted to have those titles. They are, you know, the glittering jewels that make our festival, I think, world-class, the truly international film festival, you know, the brightest and the best. So for me, that's a confirmation that we're doing the job we people expect of us, yeah. Let's have a look at some of the themes that are being touched on. And I noticed there's a very strong Indigenous selection this year, mm. particularly from Australia. Absolutely. I mean, we we always have a strong eye for Indigenous work. We see the, you know, Whānau Marama New Zealand International Film Festivals playing a, a key role in providing a platform for those particular films. We are a country with a strong Indigenous cultural underpinning and also a very strong Indigenous filmmaking tradition here. And we also have had Bird Running Water, who has up until very recently been the um, director of the Indigenous program at Sundance Film Festivals as our international Indigenous film curator. So we've had the luck of that. Um, We've got the beautiful portrait of David Gulpilil, the extraordinary Aboriginal actor. We have uh, The Drover's Wife, written and directed by Leah Purcell, another um, Indigenous story from Australia. And from North America, we have uh, Night Raiders, which, uh, among other films, that's a Canadian-New Zealand co-production that was co-produced from New, uh, New Zealand producer Ainsley Gardner and Chelsea Wynn Stanley, um, support on the ground during the shooting from New Zealand filmmaker Kath Akohata-Brown. As, it looks interesting, uh, so that you, one, yeah. yeah. It's a really interesting a sort of post-apocalyptic near-future um, genre film set in an Indigenous world. It's very cool. Are there, are there other themes that leapt out to you this year? I mean, often these things aren't deliberate. They're just kind of accidental. Mm. But I know it, the ecology usually is a strong contender the middle east always gets a look in and i think that there's quite a lot of lgbtq uh, material this year as well there there is and the which i think which i'd, I'd hope that those are areas and you know we, we curate them in collections called you know the lgbtq materials curate under our proud collection um mm. Yeah, the other also the other things you mean in terms of ecology there's been a, a great number of the new zealand films are very concerned with uh, with ecology, um, the documentaries we have from uh, Aotearoa are deeply engaged with what's happening to our environment, what's happening to the world. Um, one thing you said was that something that emerged, of course, Black Lives Matter was, you know, erupted in the past 18 months is something that should have been spoken about much more loudly before, but this is the time for those. And we found a number of films that really speak deeply and profoundly to that experience of being rendered invisible, of struggling to find voice, of you know, all of all, all the stuff that's, that's built into the Black Lives Matter movement. I know that uh, New Zealand uh, has a strong selection this year, mostly, as you said, uh, documentaries. Um, and, mm-hmm. yeah, there is, as always, a, a strong science-based uh, angle to some of these documentaries, including um, uh, an interesting documentary about Juliette Gerrard, who's the Prime Minister's uh, science advisor. Now, I'd never heard of her, so I'm kind of interested in that one. She's a fascinating character. And in fact, Shirley Horrocks, who's a very well-known and much-loved New Zealand filmmaker who's made in the past portraits of artists, but also scientists in recent years, had access to, to Julia Gerard, who is an extraordinary woman, mm. um, but at an extraordinary time. I mean, sometimes a filmmaker just gets lucky. And I said that to Shirley as well, because 
the, the portrait she's making um, starts before uh, COVID kicks in and it starts even before Juliet was also science advisor on the disaster at uh, Fakari, White Island. So sometimes a filmmaker just got lucky. And in this case, Shirley was very lucky um, in terms of what unfolded in front of her camera. I, I said that there was a wide range of uh, material coming from New Zealand this year. I mean, I look at um, some of the, uh, the other documentaries. There's one on uh, photographer Fiona Clark. Uh, which is Uh, an interesting look back at a very interesting time in New Zealand history. It's a beautiful portrait as well. Um, Fiona is, I think, is someone who leads a relatively quiet life, a personal life. So we know best Fiona Clark through her images. Some of them have been, you know, landmark portraits of queer community in Auckland um, and, uh, you know, different things over the years. So I I was familiar with her work, but I knew nothing about the woman behind the camera. This takes you right behind the camera. Um, It's more than just a portrait. It's also beautifully shot. It's very beautifully made by the filmmaker Lulu Cucciara. She chooses a framing that somehow is, is... completely appropriate to the subject that she's portraying. She locks the camera down. She lets things unfold. It's beautifully composed. So she gives Fiona a, a very appropriate and you know, highly sophisticated frame in which to we, we get to meet her. Yeah. Aside from the other documentaries, uh, I see that uh, there are two retro elements to the New Zealand output. There's a remastered version of Florian Harbeck's first film, Woodenhead, isn't Woodenhead, it? Woodenhead, yeah. That's, that, yeah. That was extraordinary. I think they've colourised it, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, that's, yes, it's, it's, more, it's remastered in it to, to, to be a, a very new version of, of what was already a fascinating film. Absolutely. I mean, I'm delighted to have Florian's Woodenhead back with us in his new which he did it, of course, colorized version. And he is, of course, uh, documentary uh, laureate, film laureate this year. He's the winner of the Gaylene Preston Award. So that's part of the honor that we have. We give that along with the Arts Foundation of New Zealand, that that honor. So, yeah, we're delighted to have that that complete new look at something that was already extraordinary with Woodenhead, yeah. The other remastered uh, New Zealand classic was Patu, um, which is back better than ever, I believe, and uh, astonishing. This is the Springbok tour from a very angry, protesty uh, angle for people who remember it, but it also has scrubbed up incredibly, apparently. It's looking beautiful, and, you know, it is... 40 years, 1981, was that landmark Springbok tour which tore the country apart and we've, we're still coming to terms with it, I Absolutely. think, in many ways. And Merita made that film, um, you know, on the run, on the go, as, as everything was unfolding. And you still feel the vitality and the energy of that time just jumping off the screen and this beautifully restored by uh, Nataunga, our, um, our National Film Archive. Yeah. And speaking of retro, I see that the entire retro section has basically been handed over to the late Bill Gosden. It's a, it's a tribute to some of his favourite films. Absolutely. I mean, what, what better way can we pay tribute to build and playing the films he loved most? And that's going to be, we will, you know, those will be revealed shortly, but it's, it's, it's a gorgeous collection of things that are just highlights of cinema from around the world, but also highlight, I think, Bill's passion and taste for movies. They are a little quirky. I've seen the list and I won't sort of spoil it, but I know that if you're expecting old Hollywood musicals or even a Hitchcock or a silent movie, no, he's not doing that. He's doing something a little bit a little bit different this time round. And that's under the hand of uh, Michael McDonnell, isn't it? 
yeah, Michael has taken charge of that uh, with Sandra Reed, our, our programmer and right. old, you know, dear friends and colleagues of Bill. And, you know, the beautiful thing that we have with almost all these films is that we have his original program notes, um, which, so it's Bill speaking about his love for these particular films that will be in the program that people will be able to refer to back to those years in the 1970s or 80s or, or you know, whenever in particular that film came from. So his his words saying, why he loved those films uh, will be present in the catalogue, which I think is also unique and beautiful. You think you can give her what she wants? You can't even take a little road trip without freaking out. A side of the uh, the film festival that I'm always interested in are some of the uh, the music documentaries. I'm, I'm interested to find out who you have in there. And there's one in particular that looks really interesting. This is Sisters with Transistors, and it talks about Absolutely. some of the early um, women uh, creators of electronica. And I have to confess that since I know very little about electronica, I knew far more about these women than I do about most of the other ones. This features people like Laurie Anderson, Delia Derbyshire, who is the uh, creator of the Doctor Who theme, and Wendy Carlos, who really started it all when she was Walter. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, with Sisters with Transistors, it's it's long overdue, like so many things, where women artists, women writers, women scientists um, you know, may have been a little bit overshadowed by their, their, their male counterparts. So this is redressing that imbalance, um, bringing them all into a really fascinating documentary that, that you learn who they were at their time, how groundbreaking their work was, and also uh, you get to enjoy some of the music along the way as well. And I think we can expect to see a film about Shane McGowan, a film about uh, Polly Styrene from X-Ray Specs, I remember her, and a woman mm-hmm. and a folky called Karen Dalton, who I don't remember but perhaps should, uh, from the era of Bob Dylan. It's well worth checking that one out. Um, I'm looking now, I mean, this is about the time when I start thinking, we've scraped the surface, we've done 1% of the titles, what are we missing? <laughs> and I have to say that one unfortunate, almost inadvertent theme this year is one of massacres. There's a film called Babia Context, mm. a mm. film about Soviet Russia called Dear Comrades, and one mm. that I think will be very controversial. This is the Port Arthur Massacre in Australia. And that's mm. called Nitram. Have you seen any of these films yet, Martin? Yeah, I have. And, you know, they're, they're, they're films that are necessary to see. They're not, they're not pleasurable viewing, but they're things that I think we, each of them have been curated with the idea that as difficult as this material, as dark as it is, these are stories that must be told, that are well told um, with respect for all. The, with with all who suffered from those those events, um, is built into into the approach of the filmmaker. There's even a further one called Mass, uh, which mm. you'll be hearing about soon. Um, I don't know. That's it's it's a good question. That why, why is there a theme coming up around things like massacres or, or, or shootings? Lying on the floor of the back seat, looking up at me, laughing. Laughing at my pain. Laughing like it was the funniest thing in the world. The makers themselves are trying to process something that might be a personal trauma, it might be a national trauma, it might be a, a particular cultural trauma like Baba Yar. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think filmmakers 
are struggling with something and they want to share that struggle with us. And you know, along the way, they're learning something and we learn something with it. I think you're absolutely right. I have to ask also whether there's sort of slightly more feel-good films in the, uh, in the, in the <laughs> yeah, festival. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, naturally, we, we like to, to balance things a, a, across the spectrum of, of the human condition. And, you know, that includes joy. Actually, one thing I should mention that's unique to this year in which there are a couple of films that speak to joy is one one is a film that's in our um, what will be announced shortly but I'm giving you a sneak preview of our Diwali Lights program uniquely this year we will be our festival will be coinciding with the Indian Festival of Lights Diwali which is essentially the Indian New Year there's a beautiful film called Godavari which is um, a very life-affirming we learn a lot about the human condition as seen through the eyes of a particular character in an Indian city and we go on his journey to a kind of restoration. So that's one that you end up feeling pretty good at the end. The films that have big names attached to them, uh, we mentioned you know, the Wes Anderson one, which is typically star-studded, but a lot of the other ones, they're easy sells. But sometimes you get a film which is made up of people that you don't know but turns out to be a little winner. I mean, can you think of any films that maybe we might overlook if we're not careful? You know, I'm going to I'm going to pitch something which you you probably won't know the the cast and you won't know the directors because it's Croatian. A movie called Murina, which won the Camera d'Or in Cannes, which is the best uh, debut feature. That award can be won from any section of the Cannes mm. Film Festival. The first feature by Antonetta Alamat Kusijanovic. That's a fascinating story told on the coast of Croatia. Um, dark, sinister summer a young woman um, has to deal with uh, things that she wasn't prepared to when she went on holiday that year. Martin, of all the films that you've mentioned, and there are clearly brilliant films of a wide range of interests and a wide range of sizes as well, do you mm. have a favourite or do you, are they all your children? I love them all equally, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I was just scanning them as, as you asked me that question, thinking, you know, what is there? I mean, personally, I, I adore Woodenhead, which we've already talked about. I think it's a marvellous work. But there is one film that I think has suddenly become much more urgent and relevant than it was even when we programmed it. And that's a, a film called Flea by Jonas Poe Rasmussen. And it's an animated documentary, rather using that technique where someone can't be exposed in a documentary by showing their own face that the director's chosen to animate it. And it's a story of survival of a gay Afghani refugee who escaped Afghanistan in the mid-1980s. It's beautifully told, has twists and turns of, of a human story that if you create it in fiction, it would be barely possible to believe it. But this is the story of, of this young man's life. And when we booked that film, and, and I was very happy to have it some months back, we didn't know how urgent it was going to be with what's just transpiring, even as we speak now, um, in Afghanistan. So a film that we loved and we thought was uh, putting a, a door on a certain history actually has turned into something terribly current. That film is Flea, and I have to say that there's a big buzz about that across a number of uh, platforms. A lot of people are saying Oscar about Flea because it is so novel and so interesting and so well done. Absolutely. It's, it's a terrific film. It just fits right in alongside all those other terrific films we have. 
That's Martin Raybarts, the director of the New Zealand International Film Festival. And since we recorded that interview, it's been announced that the Auckland leg of the festival has had to be cancelled due to lockdown restrictions. The festival opens around the rest of the country throughout November. Check the festival website, nziff.co.nz, that's nziff.co.nz, for details. I strongly urge you to check the festival out and my advice as always is take a few risks. Which brings this show to a close. I'm Simon Morris and I hope you'll join me at the movies same time next week.